0: Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame.
1: No matter who you are, no matter what you've been through this week, no matter what's going on in your life, we are here today to worship our Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and you are all welcome here this morning in His name as we worship Him together. We are so glad you've decided to worship with us today. Uh, you are Whether you're here in the sanctuary, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook, we're so glad that you are here and worshiping with us this day. There are a couple announcements I want to highlight. Uh, there's also more information in your bulletin, so if you have a moment, I encourage you to look through there uh, and and check out and mark any things that that are relevant to you. But I do want to recognize the flowers today that are right over here on the side by the cross are in honor of Dick Elsass, who is celebrating his 90th birthday today. Happy birthday, Dick. Also, just a reminder, Operation Christmas Child is going on right now. Don't forget to grab a shoebox on your way out. Or um, in, or, in, or fill a box of your own. Um, they need to be returned here to the church by November 14th for collection Sunday. This time, I want to also invite forward Tori to share something about the Mom Event.
2: Good morning. <clears throat> okay, on Friday, November 5th, uh, from 6 to 10:30 p.m., we are having what's called a Mom Event, and the Mom Event is a simulcast that's put on through Right Now Media. And this event is an opportunity for moms of all ages and life stages to come and spend the evening connecting with other moms here from encouraging speakers like jenny allen jada edwards rebecca lyons and also to be refreshed in your relationship with christ and so moms you're invited to leave the kids at home and come and spend an evening with us on november 5th we're going to provide a light meal with some snacks throughout the evening and there's also going to be a chance to win Some sweet door prizes like a day at the Wishing Well Spa or an all-expenses-paid date night to 17 West. All of those things are up for grabs at that event as well. So it's going to be a really fun night just to come to connect, to be refreshed in your relationship with Christ, um, and to spend time with other moms. So like I said, this is for all moms, whether you have a 4-year-old or a 40-year-old. You're all invited, um, and we want you to come and just to connect and to be refreshed in your relationship with Christ. So you can register for this event on our website. The link for the registration is live now. The event is $20 per person, and we hope that you all are able to join us on November 5th. And if you have any questions, you can either contact myself or Allie Buckland. Um, But we really hope to see you there, and we hope that you get excited about it over the next month.
1: Thanks, Tori. All right, this time, if you're able, I invite you to stand and join us in our call to worship. It is taken from Philippians chapter 2, reading from verses 5 through 11. In your relationship with one another, have the mind, same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness, If you're able to remain standing, I invite you to do so as we sing our first praise song, Your Great Name. praise the name of Jesus. You may be seated. This time I'll invite forward our children for children's chat with Mrs. Lammers.
3: everybody see? Come down here. Come down here. Look at more people coming. This is like totally awesome. Scoot over. There you go. Awesome. All right. Who's Jesus? The The Son of God. Does that sound right to you guys? Huh? Okay. Who else is he? When you think of Jesus, what do you think of? Hmm? our Savior. Yes. Very good. Well, in the New Testament, in the book of John, those of you that got your Bibles, you have to look at that. In the book of John, Jesus talks to a lot of people about who he is. Now, would you think of Jesus as, what is this? Bread. Bread. Would you think of him as bread? No, but in the book of John, it says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. What does that mean? Now, if I gave you each a piece of bread and that's all you had to eat today, would you be hungry tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. No peanut butter or jelly on it, just bread. You'd get pretty hungry, wouldn't you? All you do, else you won't be able to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Only Jesus can give us the nourishment for our soul that will never be hungry for peace and joy, and we will be filled with eternal life. Now, you know of any other things that Jesus could be? Can you guess what we're going to do next? He is what? A flashlight. A flashlight? <laughs> Kinda. If I can get it to work. Light. He is the light of the of the world. He gives us light. Jesus said in John, "I am the light of the world." If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And that is life in heaven, eternal life. Because when it's dark, that's when we're lonely and we're sad. And and when we do bad things, then we just kind of get separated from God and just we're confused and things just aren't going right. But with God's light... We can have joy and peace and whatever. And our heart will be closed to Jesus for eternal life in heaven. All right. Let's see. I bet you guys will know this one. My little friend Lucy. A lamb. lamb. What would that mean with Jesus? He is the lamb of life. Yeah. He's a shepherd. What do shepherds do?
4: They
3: take care of the sheep sheep and make sure they're safe and And make make sure they have something to eat. And And if they get lost, what does he do? He goes find them. That's right. Jesus said in the book of John, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Do we know Jesus? Yes. We're his sheep, aren't we? And he's going to take care of us. And he says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I will lay down my life for the sheep. How did Jesus lay down his life? He died on the cross so we could have eternal life in heaven. He protects us. He gives us peace. And he laid down his life just for us. Okay, we've got one more here.
4: And I saw it on we watched T V and, and, and we we watched a, a movie about sheep it and the
3: little sheep and and so I will try to eat eat the lamb. But I bet somebody chased that lion away, didn't it? The little lamb. What do we have here? Don't ask me what they're for. I have no idea. Car. Car, well, might be. Then it's a car I don't have anymore.
4: Maybe for getting in the building.
3: That could be getting in the building. Jesus said in John, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. And part of our state faith that says, I believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus prepared rooms in heaven for each one of us. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father or God except through Jesus. He is our key to heaven. Through him, we can go and live with God. Jesus is present now and will never leave us. He is the king to our eternal life. Let us say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, God. We love your son, Jesus. He is the way, truth, and life. He is the key to all things good. Please help us to know how to follow you. Thank you for unlocking the door to life eternal. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. All right, kids, you guys can head back to your seats. Thank you all for being here this morning and come on up with Mrs. Lammers. And thank you, Carolyn, for that wonderful message for us today. So we turn our attention now to the offering. I want to remind you our, our offering today does go to support the general fund here at the church. Uh, I encourage you to give as you are able to or as you... Feel led to give this morning as our deacons collect the offering this morning. It will go to support the general fund here at First Church of New Knoxville. Uh, Sharon is going to lead us in some special music this morning, and I invite the deacons to come forward to collect the offering at this time. And There's so much that we have to be thankful for, so much that we could offer back to God. Uh, Giving back to him through the offering is certainly one way to do it, but but just lifting up our voices in praise and worship together is certainly one way to give thanks back to God. It's, It's so good to be able to do that together as a church family. Let's continue to do that this morning. If you're able to continue standing, I invite you to open up your hymnal to number 405. Our next song is My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. I invite you to pray with me at this time. Father God, we come before you now and we do give you thanks for who you are and what you've done for us. We're especially grateful this day for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. And Lord, that is that is all we need to know. Lord, it is, it is that is where we put our faith. Our hope is in Christ and in him alone. Knowing that he came and he died in our place, that he died so that we could be forgiven. Lord, that is, that is enough for us. Lord, we thank you for that wonderful truth. We thank you for that good news. As it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, that's grace, right? That's love, that's mercy right there at its very core is that, Lord Jesus, you took our place on the cross. You took the punishment that we deserved. And it is through your sacrifice, through your giving of yourself, that we are saved. And we can know and experience your love for us because of that. Lord, help us to not put our hope in anything else. Help us to not... Uh, Trust, Lord, anything besides you and and your word and, and your gospel. And Lord Jesus, what you've done for us. And so we come to you now on the basis of that sacrifice. We know that we can come here this morning. We can worship you. We can lift up our prayers to you. We can hear from your word because of who you are and what you've done for us. It's on no other other merit that we are able to come here. It's not because we deserved it or we're good enough, Lord. It's because of who you are. And so we know that when we lift up our prayers, you hear us and you respond. And so we come before you today and pray for all those here and in our community and perhaps those listening on, on the radio or Facebook, Lord, who are in need this morning. We pray that your spirit would move in the life of of those who need it, Lord. Um, we pray for healing for those who are in need of healing. We pray for provision for those who are in need of provision. Lord, we, don't, we may not necessarily know exactly what's going on in, in, our, in our neighbor's life or, or the names that are represented in our bulletin and the prayers and concerns list, but we know that you know, and you know exactly what is needed in those moments. We do praise you, Father, for all that you've done for us the ways that you've answered prayers in the past, the ways that you've provided for us in unexpected ways. And we know and trust that, that because you've been faithful in the past, you will continue to be faithful in the future. And so we entrust ourselves to you. We pray this day also for those in authority over us, as your word calls us to do. And so we continue to pray for our state leaders, our governor, our state legislatures, our, our, our court system, Lord. We ask that righteousness and justice would be done. We ask for wisdom beyond their means as they as they lead the state and our communities. And I pray, Lord, that they would have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness, that they would be satisfied. We also pray for leaders within our own church family. We pray for our deacons today. We thank you for their, their servant attitude. We thank you for all that they do, especially so much kind of behind the scenes at, scenes at times, Lord. We thank you for their faithfulness and their commitment to this Church, your body here in this place. And Lord, we come before you and just ask for your continued guidance in our lives and as a church. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated.
5: The scripture reading this morning comes from Colossians 1, verses 15 through 23. The sun is the image of the invisible God. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. He, for God, was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant.
1: Thank you, Tracy. Let's pray together. Father God, we are again grateful for the opportunity and and truly, Lord, the privilege to come here and to sing your praises, to offer up our prayers to you, and now, Lord, to turn our attention to your word. I pray that you would uh, give me words to speak. Um, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide our hearts and minds into all truth and that you would be glorified in everything that we do now. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. In addition to the scripture reading, I just want to also read our take a moment to read the section from the Statement of Faith that we're going to be focusing on here today. And as I do that, I just want to throw out there thank you to all those who've been participating in the small groups that meet throughout the week. Um, I've been really blessed and encouraged by the the two groups that I'm a part of and, and the conversations that have flowed out of. Not just the faith statement and the sermon, but the scripture readings that we're able to do together um, and the discussions that we have. It's just really been a blessing and an encouragement to me uh, to be a part of those groups. So thank you to everyone who's been a part of those and helping to lead them. Um, So we are going to be looking at uh, the statement of faith here, section number four, which focuses on God, the son. So it says we believe in Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity. He is the eternal son of God. He became a human being born of the Virgin Mary and conceived of the Holy Spirit in order to save the world. Jesus is both fully God and fully man, united together in one person forever. Jesus lived a sinful, sinless, let me pause there for a second. Jesus lived a sinless life. Let me be very clear. Jesus lived a sinless life in perfect obedience to the Father, died on the cross as payment for our sin, completely satisfied the righteous wrath of God, Against sin, provided redemption and forgiveness for all who believe and is resurrected three days later. After appearing to his disciples, Jesus ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is the only mediator between God and man, and will return again to establish his kingdom. So first of all, I just want to preface our, our time here this morning by saying there is for a Sunday morning uh, for, for the time we have here to get together. We're going to do our best to, to kind of hit the highlights, right? Cover the cover the essentials there. But I do want to encourage you again, if you're part of one of those groups, you know, be there this week. So there's going to be an opportunity to just continue to dig in even more and more in depth um, with these ideas here. But uh, if nothing else, we're going to try to make sure we cover our ground. Kind of with that in mind, I, I was reminded of John's gospel. Uh, at the near the end of John's gospel this is at the end of chapter 20 Uh, this is after the cross after the resurrection and and before he appears to Peter and the other disciples on the shore Uh, the author John writes this and he says Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe and that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing in him you may have life in his name Right. That's the goal that we have here. Right. That's the goal that we are going to be focusing on this morning. That's that's the reason why we have the scriptures. That's the reason why we're we're focusing on this. Right? Jesus is the son of God. He is the Messiah and he's the one that we are going to be uh, lifting up, not just today, but every time that we gather here together. And in fact, and, and also was thinking about our worship. Right. There's a there's a saying that goes, uh, we believe what we sing and we sing what we believe. I think I've said that here before. Maybe you've heard that other times. It it speaks to the importance of music in our faith, right? If you think about what we do on Sunday mornings, right, when we gather, there's all sorts of things we could spend our time doing, right? We got an hour here together on Sunday mornings, uh, and then you got Sunday school and all the other stuff on top of that. But for our worship service, we have an hour, and we spend a good chunk of that time Singing our praises, right whether they 're hymns or newer praise songs, whether it 's the choir or the bells or just the special music that someone is leading, music is an essential part of what we do, and quite frankly, it has always been a part of how god 's people worship God. You look at the psalms right are, are essentially is essentially the the hymn book or the prayer book of god 's people for for thousands of years, uh, and then you have passages in the New Testament that also are very much like hymns and praise songs. And in fact, the reason I'm bringing that up here today is because two passages that we read in, in service already here today are very likely early hymns that the God's people sang as they gathered together. The first is from Philippians 2, which is our call to worship, and then this one here from Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. There are very likely early early hymns that that were part of the way God's people worshiped God during those early years of the church. And notice what, what these two hymns have in common from Philippians 2 and Colossians 1. Jesus is the focal point of those hymns, right? He is the one they are lifting up and worshiping. And, and the, the, the content of the hymns is very important. And it helps us to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us. As I said, we sing what we believe, and we believe what we sing, right? And so, the content of these two early Christ hymns are really helpful in us helping us understand who Jesus is, in his character, in his nature, and certainly in his actions and what he's done for us. And so, today, as I said, we don't have all the time in the world. In fact, if we uh, if if we took the time to cover all that there is to say about Jesus, we wouldn't we would still be here for next week when we gather together on Sunday morning. So. Uh, we're going to focus on the highlights here today. And I want, there's three things, essentially, that I want us to focus on. Who Jesus is, what, he's do, what he did for us, and what he is doing for us now and will continue to do for us in the future. And so we're going to start with that first phrase there, who Jesus is. And the person of Jesus is really important that, that we look at he is both fully God and fully man, Right, we, that was essential part of our of our faith statement. Has been essential part of Christian belief from the very beginning of the church, and we see that in both Philippians and Colossians. They both highlight kind of both ends of the spectrum for us. Philippians chapter two highlighted Jesus's humility in in his humanity, right? That Jesus became man, but then Colossians one also highlights the other end of the spectrum, the supremacy of the Son, that he he is not just a good person, but is in fact the eternal Son of God. And that's always been a part of Christian belief from the earliest days. Uh, In fact, I just want to draw your attention up here to our altar here at the front of the table. Notice that we always have two candles lit for the service, uh, right? That's always been a part. And in fact, most churches that you go to that have an altar of this sort or have candles up front usually have two candles lit on the altar. And that's not just for decoration, right? That's not just a To make it look nice. The two candles throughout church history have represented the two natures of Christ, his humanity and his divinity, that he is both fully God and fully man. And one of the ways that the church has, has acknowledged that throughout church history were two candles lit on the altar. Now, of course, there's practical reasons for candles right before the advent of, you know, electricity, you know, like uh, modern indoor lighting. Candles were essential to reading the scriptures and doing the service. But even today with with the lights all around, right, they're not necessary for that reason. But we continue to do that as an acknowledgement of Jesus's divinity and his humanity. And so why is that important for us right? why do we why is it important for us to acknowledge that? Well, first we need to talk about what we mean by fully God and fully man. When we say that Jesus is fully God, we say that we mean that he is eternal. He is uncreated. As the old creeds say, he is very God of very God. right? That he is of, of the same essence as the Father and the Holy Spirit. He's not just a human being who lived a good life, but he is in very nature God. And we see that in Colossians 1, verse 15. He says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, right? He is the perfect representation of God's character and will. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know his, you know, the kind of attitude he'd have or the kind of things that he would do, we have to look no further than Jesus himself. And later on in verse 19 in this Christ hymn, it says that, that all the fullness of God dwells in him. That's a pretty large statement, isn't it? pretty profound to say that the all the fullness of god dwells in the person of jesus christ in other words there's nothing in god's character nothing in his will nothing in his existence that we can point to and say that's not who jesus is right so everything that we know about god everything we know to be true about him we can see in the person of jesus christ see that's how jesus that's how god is making himself known he's given us his son so we can know what he's like Everything we know about God can be found in Jesus. As I said, he's of the same substance. He's very God of very God. Have You guys ever heard the phrase, not one iota, right? There's this, there's a saying, right? That, that not even the smallest change, right? And you can see that in scripture. When Jesus is, is talking about the fulfillment of the law, he says not one, not the least stroke of a pen will be removed from the law. He didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Well, that idea came up again during the early church debates and and how to understand who Jesus was and what he's done for us. There was a group within the church that wanted to say that Jesus was not the same as the father, but he was similar to the father. And the difference between those two words, the difference between of the same substance and of similar substance is one small, tiny little letter. It's the Greek letter iota. Think of it like a lowercase i without the dot. And so there were people that were trying to, trying to pass off that Jesus was not the same as God. He was just similar. And so there was just one little addition, just one small stroke of the pen was the difference between those two ideas. But when we say that Jesus is very God of very God, that he is fully God, he is the same as the Father. He's not similar. He's not less than, but he is the same. So we see that Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. He knew all the limitations, the emotions, the experiences of human life, but with one very important exception. Right. That is the one human experience that Jesus cannot relate to. But everything else Jesus understood. Right. And so when Jesus became a human being, when he was born of the Virgin Mary, uh, his humanity did not replace his divinity Right, his two natures existed together, but, and we see that in Philippians 2. Right? He was equal with God, but yet he did not use that equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. You may ask yourself, how would Jesus have used that to his own advantage? What, what significance was there? Well, think about what Jesus went through, especially in those last days, as he was unjustly arrested, falsely accused, beaten, ridiculed, mocked, Nailed to a cross, and he had people even even in that even at that point, there were people standing around him saying, "If you're truly the Son of God, you can save yourself, take yourself down from the cross." And Jesus could have done that, as as both the fully divine and the fully human person. Right? Jesus could have called on ten thousand angels to come and rescue him. He could have immediately taken himself down from the cross. And rescued himself. It was within his grasp to do that. And everyone, here's here's the kicker too. If Jesus did that, everyone would have instantly known that he was God, because who else but God could have done something like that? But you know what would have been missing? You know what we wouldn't have had if Jesus had done that? His sacrifice. He could not. He would not have saved us. He would have been God, and we would have still, but we would still be lost in our sins because it was his death and his resurrection that atoned for our sins. And Jesus knew that. And that's why Jesus stayed on that cross. He did it for us. He embraced his humanity in order to save us from our sin. And so why is this important? It's because it's for our salvation. We needed a redeemer who was both fully God and fully man to save us. He had to be fully Fully human, right? Because it was humans that had sinned against God. And so it was a human being that needed to pay the price for that sin. But no human being could possibly pay the full price because the debt we owed God was infinite. And so He also needed to be fully God in order to pay the debt so that we could be forgiven. And so we believe that Jesus Christ is the incarnate Son of God. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, fully God and fully man so the second thing we need to remember is what He did for us. And that, of course, is His death and His resurrection. He offered Himself up as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We see that in Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. He talks about how we were alienated from God and that we were enemies with Him. And we had lived in our evil behavior. But now, because of Christ's physical body, through His death, we are made holy in His sight. That's the change that takes place, right? We were enemies with God; we were separated from Him. But because of what Jesus did, He, we are redeemed and made new. In Romans three twenty three, Paul says, "God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith." And that salvation comes to all who believe. In verse twenty, again looking at Colossians chapter one, he says, "In for starting in verse nineteen for." God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Right? That's what God has done for us in Christ. He has made peace between God and man. He has made it possible for us to know him and to become his children. And, and again, I can't emphasize this enough. This all happened while we were still enemies with God, while we were separated from him. There's nothing that you or I can possibly do to earn our way into God's good graces. Because the gap that separates us is infinite. And so we need someone to fill that gap in for us. We need someone who is both fully God and fully man to step in there and to save us. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And it's his resurrection then that, that is like the, the, the guarantee, the promise of our salvation. In his book, Hope in Times of Fear, Tim Keller talks about why the resurrection is so important and how it, how it offers us proof that, that the debt has been paid in full. And he says, think about what happens when somebody serves a prison sentence, right? If they, have, if they are guilty of a crime and they're sentenced to, say, five years in prison, they serve their time, and what happens when their time is done? They're released, Right? The debt to society has been paid. The punishment has been dealt. And so now they are free to go because everything has been made even. Or in theory, you know, the, the, the debt has been to society has been paid. That's what happens at the resurrection. The, the punishment for sin is death, eternal separation from God. And we can know that that debt was paid on our behalf because three days later, the stone was rolled away. The tomb is empty. The debt has been paid in full. And so we can now experience the blessings of salvation because Jesus paid that price for us. And so we also must reflect on what he is doing and will do. So we reflected on who Jesus was, what he did for us at the cross and in the resurrection. And now we must think also about what he is doing and will do. And that's where the ascension comes in. Right? That Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He now reigns and rules as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And He is in all glory and majesty and authority given to Him by the Father. It says that He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, it's not a statement of origin, right? It's not not saying that Jesus is a created being. As we already talked about, He is the eternal Son of God of the same substance as the Father. But He's the firstborn in the sense that He is the one who has all the authority and power. Right? He is the one who is ultimately in charge of all things. He is Lord of our lives. And we, should not, we shouldn't throw that term around lightly. Right? We should, he should have full authority in your life and in mine. Right, we often think of Jesus as our Savior, but how many of us really pause to reflect on what it means to think of him as Lord? Right, don't just stop at Jesus saves me from our sins. We, also, we all want a Savior. Right? We all want to be saved from our sins. That, that sounds pretty agreeable. We all want to be rescued from the penalty that our sins deserve. But we want to leave it at that. We want to stop there. We stop at Savior and we refuse to make, also make him our Lord. But it's a package deal, right? If we want to accept him as Savior, we must also accept him as Lord. We can't have one without the other. And so if we acknowledge that Jesus died to save us, we must also acknowledge that we owe him everything, that he now lives and reigns as our King and Lord. Think of verses like Galatians 2.20 where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where he says that we are not our own, we are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so we must acknowledge that not only did Jesus die to save us, but he lives to reign and rule in our lives. And so what does this all mean for us? I want to take a moment to just wrap this up together. We've talked a lot about all, you know, who Jesus is, but what does that mean for us here today? Well, first and foremost, it means that we must embrace Jesus as our Savior and Lord. He is our Savior, and I encourage you to acknowledge him today and receive his forgiveness. Right? Pastor Alistair Begg, who serves at a, at a church in Cleveland, uh, once talked about the, the the relationship between Jesus and the thief on the cross. Remember that Jesus was, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus told him, today will be with me in paradise. And as Alistair Bagg was, re- was, was reflecting on this, he said, if someone asks you why you should be allowed in heaven, and you answer in the first person, in other words, I have done this, or I believed and therefore this, we got the point wrong. He says that the only right way to answer that question is in the third person. It's not I did something to save myself. It's he did something to save me. Right? He died on the cross to save me. He is the one who, who redeems me and, and makes me new. The thief had no right, no merit, no good works to stand on. All he knew was the promise that Jesus made him, and that was enough. And so today is the day of salvation. Don't delay. Don't wait for a more convenient time. Don't put off the most important decision of your life. And so if we make him savior, we must also make him Lord. He deserves our allegiance, both personally, but also as a church. Right? We believe that Jesus is the head of this church, not, not myself as pastor, not our elders, not our consistory, right? Jesus is the head of this church. And he has the supremacy in all things, as, as Colossians 1 says. And so we must obediently follow what he clearly says in his word. And we must also use our God-given and Holy Spirit-empowered wisdom to discern how to faithfully live for Him when things aren't exactly clear in His Word because there's lots of those areas as well. And we need to learn to be loving, kind, and compassionate towards all people even if they don't see things the same way as us. And so let me ask you this as we close our time here. Where does your ultimate allegiance lie? Is it in your country, in your family, in your job? see, none of those are bad things. In fact, they can be very good things, but our ultimate allegiance, the thing that is of utmost importance in our lives, can't be something of this world. It has to be to Jesus. Everything then finds its rightful place after that. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, the short time we have today can only just scratch the surface of of all those things. And so I pray that we would truly know you, to trust you as Savior, and to follow you as Lord. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we take a time to prepare our hearts for communion, I invite you to stand if you're able and sing our praise song, In Christ Alone. You may be seated. To prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, I just want to give a couple quick instructions for us. Uh, Just a reminder, we are going to be serving, communing at the altar as we've been doing lately. So if you're able to come forward uh, after I pray and all of that, I encourage you to form two lines down the side aisles. There'll be uh, past Myself, Tory. We have elders up here serving at both sides of the altar. You can take the elements with you and return to your pews and take those as you feel uh, you are prepared and ready to do so. If you're unable to come forward or, or choose not to for whatever reason, there will be a pair of elders that will be circulating the sanctuary and making sure that you can still partake and take communion with us today. So, uh, so if you are one of those people, I encourage you to to be on the lookout for them and and, and they will be serving you in the pews. So. Um, with that being said, we are, when we take communion, we're always reminded of why we are doing this. And, and there's no better day to to take communion than in a day we reflect on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Because communion is about that sacrifice that Jesus made. The bread representing his body broken for us. The cup representing his blood shed for us that our sins could be forgiven. And as always, it, remind, it encourages us to reflect on two very important truths. One, is that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that none of us are righteous, not one, and that we all come to the table in the same way in need of God's grace and forgiveness. And so in just a moment, we're going to pray and confess our sins to the Lord and acknowledge our need for Him. But the second thing is just as important, and that is, is we take communion with a thankful heart because even though we are sinners in need of a Savior, Jesus is that Savior we need, that He died in our place that he rose again to ensure that, that his sacrifice was sufficient for us and that our sins are, in fact, forgiven. So as you take communion today, remember those two things, our need for a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior that we need. So let's take a moment and in prayer confess our sins to the Lord and, and, and prepare our hearts and minds for communion. Almighty and most merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts and we have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things that we ought to have done and we've done those things that we ought not to have done. And, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises declared to your people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life in the glory of your holy name. Amen. For God's word tells us that He is faithful, and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So as Paul told us, I've received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it, said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to take this holy sacrament to your comfort. pray together father god we are so grateful for your invitation to the table that you invite us poor sinners lord to your table that you have forgiven us and redeemed us and we are now your children lord help us to live in light of your grace your love your holiness and your justice Lord, help us to be ambassadors for Christ now as we go from this place. Fill us with your spirit that we may live for you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may go in peace.